Welcome to the Men Among Demons Christmas Special. Greg, welcome to the first, possibly last, quite possibly only ever, <laughs> Men Among Demons Christmas special. Christmas special. Does that mean this has to be like one and a half times the length or something? No, uh, I don't. I don't think. I guess it could be. I guess do, we could just go on. Do and on. do love interests all get uh, <laughs> all get solved here, or just complicated? I, I what all I was really thinking about for the Christmas special was um, maybe mixing up our music a little bit. So <laughs> That's a good idea. More sleigh bells. If I find some, ching, 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 yeah. Ching, if I find ching, some ching, of that ching. kind of music just for a little Men Among Demons <laughs> Christmas special, that was number one. <laughs> uh, number two, I'm, I mean, being a little tongue in cheek here, right? Like I think it's intentionally a little tongue in cheek, mm -hmm. although you know, not totally untrue. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing I th I thought about is we could talk about Christmas. Here we're heading into the nativity season, we would call it. Uh, and it occurred to me that there really are, there really is a lot of stuff here to think about in Men Among Demons type fashion mm -hmm. this time of year. Because what it occurs to me, what's interesting about this season of the year is that it's really the only time, I think, all year where we have this convergence of a major church feast, a major feast for us as Orthodox Christians that's a big deal. That's very theologically significant, very, very big deal for our faith. And it converges with a huge secular holiday that in many respects, go, well, goes by the same name for a lot of people, not necessarily everybody, mm -hmm. but many people are going to call this Christmas time who really aren't practicing Christians at all mm -hmm. or extremely nominal. So it converges with this major secular holiday with which it has almost no relationship at all certainly at this point i think you could argue there's basically no no direct relationship between the the religious holiday the christian holiday uh, or feast day and and the secular holiday and i think that's interesting because it raises questions for me about how we navigate that sort of thing mm -hmm. what we participate in and it's almost a little microcosm of our world mm -hmm. Um, you know, Pascha Easter for us, we call Pascha often as Orthodox Christians, is not something the, the world cares that much about. I mean, you see maybe some Easter bunnies, maybe some Easter. Do you, you know, do you let your kids eat Easter candy that looks shaped like an egg? I don't know. I mean, there's maybe little questions here. <laughs> and you can, yeah, yes, right. And I and there, and um, I know something like Halloween is maybe something that's a big deal for the, for the, in the secular world. But there really isn't. It's not a religious feast day. So maybe you do it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do some things on Halloween and not others or whatever. But there's really nothing quite like Christmas to just kind yeah. of press this question of like, how do we try to both be a Christian and participate or not participate in this mega consumer feast yeah. that the world is having around this sort of modern Saturnalia um, to celebrate the solstice <laughs> that the secular world is doing around us. So I thought it was a topic worth exploring this time. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that's... I think that's right. And it's weird, you know, even the, like the contrast with Halloween is kind of interesting because like as Orthodox, it's, it's kind of weird because like one of the ways, one of the ways that you, uh, 
like we'll see what we talk about here but one of the ways that we sort of i i've found to sort of manage christmas as an orthodox christian is you know ecclesiastically through you know through church as as listeners will not be surprised to uh, surprised to hear and the church practices and our traditions around fasting and so forth but like you know halloween uh you know our our all saints day is is at a completely different time of the year right so because you know you'd like halloween maybe i'm just getting ahead of myself uh but you know the the way to make a thing like halloween a civic holiday like halloween make sense is to actually go to church on all saints day except that that's not that's not our all saints day so it's it doesn't it doesn't right. really yeah. work so for orthodox it doesn't right right so yeah you know i think like for me i just remember it being an app like a breakthrough for me before i became orthodox before my family was ready to become orthodox but i was very much an inquirer and I, I was already sold. It was the time we were living in Regina. You and I were talking regularly. I was writing my dissertation. So it was a very formative time and a time of real consolidation around, of, of my thoughts around like around the church and religious practices. It was so formative for me because I was, we were going to a Mennonite Brethren church at the, at the time, you know, full of lovely people, good good friends and all that. And I just remember like, there as as in a lot of circles there's a lot of hand-wringing there's a lot of hand-wringing about christmas like how do you keep christ in christmas how do you keep well it's the charlie brown thing too right i mean like um what's his name charles schultz i mean he, he got he got it he has he had exactly the sense for 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 this problem whatever that whatever that is 40 50 years ago when or more when he when he wrote that that christmas special charlie brown's christmas special it's like Mm -hmm. this thing we're getting swallowed up by consumerism here Mm -hmm. and is there no is there no end to it and so too in our in our church circles in my in our in our church like i remember sitting in a sunday school class and it's like yeah there's just a lot of hand-wringing and worrying and it was like Mm -hmm. i as as a as a sort of um a budding orthodox christian that no longer bothers me at all whatsoever and it was be- that's interesting that's interesting yeah it was because of the fast i it was explicitly because ah, of the fast right so and i should for our listeners who are orthodox or familiar both greg and i celebrate christmas on what the orthodox call the new calendar so we celebrate it on december 25 with everyone else because yeah. uh, one of the reasons it, it, this is just when you said that i thought one of the reasons people might assume that is is that your christmas is now a different day i think there's a little bit of protection for people who celebrate christmas in january right. orthodox christians a little bit. I don't think it gets them totally off the hook by any means. And in some ways it causes other problems where their secular family is wanting to feast on the 25th and have a, a party or whatever. Well, no one And they're still like right in the middle of their family. They got two weeks to go and that's a whole issue. I mean, I'm at least grateful as a new calendar Orthodox that like December 25 comes around and, and like, I mean, yeah, I can eat. <laughs> I can eat your stuff and, and uh, party with you. Well, and in um, fact, if, but, you, if you'll uh, permit, yeah. if we'll keep, if we can keep going on this excursus, I just heard that what the, what the Ukrainian Orthodox church has decided to observe new calendar Christmas. Oh, is that right? No, I hadn't heard in that. In order to, so. in order to d- distinguish themselves from the Russians. From the Russians. Oh, that's or interesting. That's, that's part well, of that's it. Quite which is very it's disorienting to a lot of people and especially in i would think winnipeg which has a large expat ukrainian population 
the right. uh the old calendar christmas which is to say the old julian calendar christmas right is you know because the julian calendar is 13 days out of date which currently. means currently which which means that um uh december 25th is observed 13 days later than december 25th on the gregorian calendar right, right? so I, my my little my little my little bit is that on as uh, that on the new calendar we observe december 25th on december 25th but anyway right. so it, and they observe yeah it quite yeah. it's quite disorienting <laughs> but yeah no for us um uh, anyways, I, it's, I think it's quite disorienting for, for the Ukrainian, they just uh, here in Winnipeg, we talk, we talk about it as Ukrainian Christmas. Like they literally. Right. Talk, yeah. Talk yeah. People talk and say that, that Ukrainian Christmas or Russian it's Christmas. It's, it's, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a completely different date. Yeah. You know, my family, my wife is Greek background. And so they've, they've been on the December 25, they've observed, observed Christmas for, you know, ages right. and ages, you know, way before like her Yaya would have been. Uh, observing it on December 25, her grandmother when she was a little girl. Yeah. So like that's, that's old, old news for yeah. the Greeks, but it, but that, that's a little bit of a side. Cause I think it was, I just wanted to clarify yeah. that, um, you know, we're celebrating on December 25 with all the rest that's of right. everyone around us, the Catholics and the Protestants and a lot of Orthodox Christians as well on this. We're not the only ones. So many Orthodox and also all the secular people who just are celebrating, you know, some kind of secular or very, very nominally Christian Christmas. Uh, and that's true for both of us. But it's interesting to you that the problem felt like it went away because of the fast. That, Correct. I wasn't expecting you to say that. And I find that very interesting. If there was some, there was something about it that like just that just the and our fast is complicated and we can talk about we can talk about this too like this is and we'll talk about in church how this is one of the most difficult fasts right in some ways it it's is, more yeah. difficult than lent right lent we tend to, it's not more the lent is more demanding yeah. it is a little like if you look at the calendar very carefully the nativity fast is more relaxed there's a lot more wine and oil days a lot more fish days yep. so Especially it is a bit easier but what's hard about it is people are constantly offering you non-lenten oh yeah that's like that's right just happened to me at the office today. there've been that's right there've <laughs> been cookies and baking every every coffee oh, a coffee yeah. hour for weeks now in the in the mm -hmm. staff room yep um and now you know now i've my my fasting muscles are exercised a bit though where that doesn't tempt me altogether that much anymore but at the beginning like that's 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 a big it's a big deal and it can still be a big deal for for lots of people what whatever stage of the journey they're at that can be a temptation but just yeah like that 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 notion i think of keeping christ in christmas i think is is a good is a good principle i i think that's a good way of thinking about it that you do want to keep christ in christmas and i found that 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 like so we as as orthodox christians we we observe a, a fast a nativity fast in the six weeks leading up to to christmas in the six weeks leading up to nativity and similar kinds of things as normal fasts with the exceptions that you named you know it's generally abstention from meat and and dairy and um and and in in those days it was it was i was kind of on my own in my family fasting but even that even do even just doing a little bit on my own was enough to you know and to not feast with everyone all the time leading up to the feast was a it was like the 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 sense of it was like i'm i'm dedicated i'm doing something 
in service to the Lord, setting aside, setting aside my desire to eat such as I was capable, uh, to, to eat these rich foods, and, and doing that, like nobody could take it from me. No, right? It's like right. no one can take it from you. And that, and that was the thing about it. It's like, oh, there's a, there's, there's a way of entering into participation. There's a participatory. And it's, it's in many ways very simple. It can be difficult, but it's very simple. And um, in some sense, it's straightforward. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not complicated. There's no, there's no complex formula to be figured out. It's something that, that anybody can do, more or less. Um, and that if you do it, it like, and like no one can, no one's putting a gun to your head to make, make you eat meat, right? No one can take it from you. And so, and so it was just that sense of participation in the, in the way, cause that's, that seems to be the anxiety, right? That seems to be the anxiety around Christmas is that the way other people, the secularists, the non-Christians, people who are mm-hmm. indulging in the consumerism, the mm-hmm. way they're engaging Christmas is taking Christmas away from me, right? That, that seems yeah. to be sort of the subtext of this anxiety and hand-wringing about keeping Christ in Christmas. It's like, unless other people are observing it properly, then we can't have a proper Christmas. And this realization yeah, is well, like, it... no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think I guess I really do find that fascinating, and it occurs to me as you're talking here that like uh, Christmas this year is a uh, Monday, right? Yes, Monday. I think yeah. last year was a Sunday, um, and so every seven or every eight, however this works, every eight years it's a Sunday, uh, in a regular expected cycle, um, and every time it happens on the Sunday these days, um, a lot of Protestant Mennonite. I don't think Catholic churches, I think they definitely do celebrate Christmas. Well, they do a midnight mass usually, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of Protestant communities who will actively cancel Mm -hmm. church. So Christmas (laughs) has become a negative fast, like a, like it's a black hole on the calendar that not only does not get marked by a service, it actually, if it happens to run across what would be a service, yeah. sucks up and eliminates yeah. that service. Marks, marked um, by no service. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's right. Growing Which up. Which is really interesting. Up, we, think, we had a mutual friend who was yeah. uh, struggling with this as a pastor a few years back when it was on a Sunday. We, you know, I had a conversation about, uh, you know, should we do a church? And I said, well, I mean, if you're going to ask me, then yes, absolutely. Yeah. You should always be having a church service on Christmas, whatever day of the week. And for, 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 for I mean, under no circumstances, you actively cancel one because Christmas falls on that day. That seems wild. But yeah. what, like, it's interesting to me, and I, I don't bring this up just to, like, mock or you know, ridicule Protestants or something. It's not, you know, what, what we're really into here, but like, it's interesting that that is a sign of, to some degree, the, the, the feared thing is happening, right? Like, because Christmas has become, you wake up on Christmas morning, you get, you know, a lot of people, whatever, they stay in their PJs, they come, they open presents, they have, you know, some, some Christmas brunch, that's their, you know, tradition and their thing. They don't want to give that up to go to church um, uh, because now it's a Sunday and instead we have to break up our whole, everything we're expecting and go to church instead. Um, and that is absolutely an invasion of the secular yes. 
uh, observation of the day, none of which seems to me to be fundamentally evil, which is a thing I think we need to get into here eventually. Um, like, I don't think it's evil to have brunch with your family and enjoy that. <laughs> I think that's great. Like, but, uh, but it's like the priorities <laughs> have slipped and it's almost like in those traditions, there's a gra like a desire to hold something, but like with, without, it seems like without the mechanisms to do that with. And then the breaking of the fast becomes a big deal. My daughter said to, to me um, a few Christmases ago, it was something we were changing up which church we were, we were going to go to for like Vespers and then Christmas morning. And we were just reorienting things or whatever. She thought for a moment that I was saying we weren't going to be going to church on Christmas morning. And she just said, she said, Dad, it won't be Christmas if we don't go to church first thing when we get up. And I was like, oh, honey, that's not what I meant. We're definitely going to be going to church. But I just felt so proud and happy yeah. that for them, that's that has become the thing that like, well, it's not going to be Christmas. It's not going to be Christmas if we don't get up and go to church before we open presents. Like, that's what we need. I feel like need to try to yeah. cultivate in ourselves, right? Just and it's it's so easy to see how the opposite could happen when you get accustomed to well, when it's on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday. Well, all those past six years, we've gotten up and had this really pleasant time with our presents and our coffee and our brunch and our PJs right. and our family, and it's been so pleasant. And now it's a Sunday. We don't want to disrupt that. We've built a habit. Yeah, now we built a habit, and so we actively cancel Sunday. Yeah, no, right? that's right. So what? habit are we building becomes a big question here that's right, right. and in, i mean in, in point of fact like you don't need to you don't need to mark the feast because like there, you can't you can't mark the feast if you've been feasting the whole time anyway right like they did the, you lose that you right. lose that time i mean right. that's part that's part of the dynamic of the fast is like the way like what it means to keep christ in in christmas is for it to be a truly festal event a truly you know, a, a church feast. Well, the way you make something a feast is by setting it, setting it aside and making it special so that what you do leading up to it is precisely not that you're not just like, you're not letting that day bleed in so that all the days are kind of already kind of Christmas because you're listening to Christmas music and eating all the Christmas baking and eating all what, you know, eating all the festival, festal rich foods the whole time anyway. And how do you set it aside? How do you how do you mark it as something different? It would it would be so weird as an Orthodox. No, you know, like if populationally, most Orthodox Christians don't observe the fast. I mean, they know they're sure. sort of supposed to, so to speak. But I mean, if you if you did a global census of Orthodox Christians, the vast majority of them around the world aren't doing this. But for those of us who do, for those of us who take it seriously. It would just, and I think this is part of what my, where my daughter was coming from that, that year when, when she thought I was saying we weren't going to go to church. It was just like, it would be so utterly weird to just end the fast. You yeah. go and do the fast for all of Advent, and then you just got up on Christmas morning and were like, it's done now. Yeah. Let's have bacon and open presents. Yeah. You'd be like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make... 
it doesn't make sense. We have to go to church. We have to receive the Eucharist. That's what draws the fast to a close. It has to happen. It's like it would be, um, it would be it's disorienting yep. and like disturbing yep. to not like it's like something terrible. Is and missing. you've probably like, had the experience of like of doing the apostles fast or the Dormition fast, and then at the end of it, didn't have the chance to go to church in the middle of the week for one like, right yeah, and you yeah, like yeah and it is it is a little disorienting you do this it's fast weird. and then yeah. now and now i'm not and it's well the weird. apostles fast um was finally redeemed a little bit for me by our priest father yuri who said that that's the one where you do the fast after a thing instead of before a thing and that made it actually make a lot more sense to me oh, interesting. Uh, it always bothered me that it ends in peter and paul day which isn't even that big a deal right. <laughs> so it, it seems strange dormition yes you, i mean is a fast before but then you might um i mean I, I definitely but for this reason like i i would really try to be uh -huh. in church on dormition i mean certainly dormition eve for the vespers and you know if that's the close of the fast and that you can almost always do i mean at least be there for vespers the night yeah. before um yeah. but you're right and if you ever have to do it or like during COVID, i mean i guess we watch pasca kind of like on you know on a yeah, live totally. stream right because like we could, there was no way I was gonna just yeah, like you gotta do, something. Gotta do something. It's just too weird to have done this for that long and have no um, ceremonial yeah. marking of the end of it when you've done it, taken it seriously. Yep. You know? Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. Which which just sort of illustrates how significant it is to build patterns and habits, which is maybe a key key observation from this conversation here is that this is sort of the interplay that I'm interested in. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing as Orthodox Christians, right? What are we doing wrong uh, in this kind of atmosphere? Uh, because the flip side of this, to me, that makes it hard is that it's not as though we can just look at everything the world is doing and say around Christmas time and say, that's all evil. Mm -hmm. and bad. Like, do you get gifts for people that you know and love at or around Christmas time? Do you buy things for people? Yeah, I do. For, yeah. <laughs> for your kids, for example, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Your kids get gifts on Christmas. Yep. Yeah. So there so <laughs> can we do it's that, Greg? Or are we just participating with the um consumerist demons? Are we just getting involved with the demons? Well, no. I mean we shouldn't get our kids anything. <laughs> uh should we be giving gifts? Yeah, we should be giving gifts. If anything, we're not giving enough gifts. We should? Yeah. Okay. Okay um why oh because i think uh a generosity is is uh is a spiritual fruit okay. i think i mean you know we all as we've talked about on this show many times they like demons demons work are you know are fundamentally inversions right or right. abuses abuses of good practices and so it makes com complete sense to me that that the abuse of something as beautiful as Christmas, you know, could could be turned to something so vile as <laughs> as mm. as the saccharine and consumerist garbage that we that we have to interact with. Is that a reason not to? Does that exclude the proper use of gift giving? The proper does abuse. Does abuse render the proper use inoperative? No, I don't think so. But it's it's certainly something to to attend to how to how to give gifts well and and properly. 
And what that involves is maybe a good question. Well, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. How do we do that? Because I, it's, it strikes me that as Orthodox, like I, I agree with what you're saying, but it's hard to put into practice. It's very, very difficult this time of year not to get into the same sorts of things. Like, you know, you, you buy your kids something you would have that anybody might have, right? Like, uh -huh. um, I mean, should we kind of only get them gifts that are, you know, religious in some way? Should I, should I do nothing but ex exclusively buy them, you know, Christian books to read? Uh, or is it okay? So we, it, th this is a, a little bit of a side point, but we, our family gives our kids their gifts on St. Nicholas Day. Um, partly that's because we are usually okay. in another country, in Michigan, in the United States, um, on Christmas itself, and don't want to carry a bunch of gifts across the board. Yeah, it the just border. complicates things. It's weird. Partly it's that. Um, partly it's because of my Dutch background. Um, and I didn't really grow up with St. Nicholas Day being a big thing, but I've sort of reclaimed it as I've gotten older mm -hmm. from my Dutch heritage. Uh, but partly it's because it just makes more sense to me there liturgically. Uh -huh. Because, and that, and that's actually where the gift giving, to my understanding, anyway, historically speaking, that was where the gift giving, right. at least up in Northern Europe and the Netherlands and so forth, where a lot of my ancestors came from, it was actually more St. Nicholas Day that gifts were given and they'd be small, you know, an orange or a chocolate uh -huh. or whatever. And it was representative of the gifts of St. Nicholas. And so we, we come together, we sit as a family, we read, you know, the life of St. Nicholas. We go to, uh, this past year, which went to St. Nicholas Vespers, come home, sit down in front of the Christmas tree. I can ask you whether you have a Christmas tree too mm -hmm. at some point and, um, read the story of St. Nicholas and uh, it, many, many of his miracles and all this and that. Uh, and then, and then the exchange of, uh, a few gifts and they, from us, they only get a couple, a couple of things. It's not a, it's not a big, like 30 gifts, you know, uh -huh. thousands of dollars affair. Uh, again, partly that's because they have grandparents, mm -hmm. and uncles who are going to do that anyway. But even if they didn't, I think that's basically what would be in the opera household. They would get a couple of nice gifts, hopefully nice gifts on St. Nicholas day. And they actually wouldn't get it really anything. At do you all think, do you think of it in terms of budget? Do you think of it in terms of like numbers of things? Do you think of it in terms of like it being equal across your kids? Like, how do you approach it? I, th I usually think of it. Well, Lenny tends to do it. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'm not the person to ask. Uh, but to the degree that we collaborate, I usually think of it as number of items. And I th think more about things that, that I think they would like and things that encourage them in ways that I think are at least healthy. That doesn't mean necessarily mean they're like Orthodox, right. you know, and Christian books only or something. <laughs> um, but um, so I mean, it could be, uh, um, I don't know, like some other kind of a book or, a, you know, or a toy that I think is interesting, or you could learn uh -huh. something from something like that. Um, I, I think more about that than budget necessarily. Okay. Now, my mom growing up says she always spent to the penny the exact same amount of money on me. And Is that right? And that was very important. And she wanted us to know it. Yeah, to the, to the penny. Exact same amount every year, to be fair. Uh, and it's I appreciate her commitment. I don't like, even know how you do that. Favorite. You need penny candies. <laughs> she would do that kind yeah, of thing. Hey. That's exactly what she would do. Yeah, you'd get like some really weird, like your last present would be this tiny little weird. <laughs> it's a balancer. $2 like a sticker pack or something. That's and you'd so be like, funny. what's this? And she'd be like, well, I was $2 short for you. So I guess. Isn't that something?
to to cause, so to even you out with your brother. <laughs> it's just as if you know my mom. It is yeah, like yeah. absolutely so in character. Uh, so I don't really do that, as, and the kids don't really notice. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, so that's a, that's a strategy we've used. Now that's not to say that I think all Orthodox Christians should do that and never exchange gifts on um, nativity on Christmas. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's one of the ways we've approached uh -huh. it. But how about you? So you you get gifts for the kids and they open them on Christmas after liturgy, or, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. After what do we do? Yeah, we probably open them while while our lunch is cooking. We'll do kind of a something that you can throw in the oven uh, for a little bit while we uh, while we open open gifts after liturgy. Yeah, I think. Although there's there's usually a little something like a stocking that we open the night before mm -hmm. after after vespers mm -hmm. or after vigil, and which usually includes like there the idea is usually Christmas pajamas yeah Christmas pajamas that that she then which is uh, something either that I'm, that my wife made up or or uh, or something from their from their background. Which is also part of it, right? Like it's it, especially as Orthodox converts, like part of it is like how to translate, which kind of goes back to your original question, right? It's like how to take uh, take an inheritance from from pre-Orthodox days with with aspects of of traditions that you really like, that yeah. and and then and then do them in your sort of new Orthodox setting and sometimes there's tensions i mean i i agree with you for a so sort of maybe a, on a little bit of a rabbit trail here but but i'm i'm with you with on, on in terms of like even before i was orthodox i was i was intuitively thinking or in terms of what i was learning as a as a mennonite in in post-secondary education studying theology and history and such like it really seems like if christmas is going to be christmas you should be going to church mm -hmm. um Oh, and yeah. So yeah, so to to me that makes sense. To, there are others in my family for whom that is less intuitive, and it's just, <laughs> and it's a, you know it's a bit of a struggle. It's like, oh, do we have to go to church? Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think actually that we do. Um, so you know, there's negotiation there, and then and then as uh, um, but but gift giving, yeah, that's when we do it. We definitely do gifts, and we we think of it, you know, with our three kids more or less in terms of. There's a there's a desire for a sense of equality in terms of what we're spending, and a mindfulness about what. Uh, well, frankly, Amanda does the, the legwork here as well. Um, um, you know, she she does the lion's share of the work here. I mean, none of this. I told her the other day that like, if she if she died or le left me alone on God's green earth. The kids would not be getting like I would not be able to do all of this, <laughs> but she loves it. It's like one of these love language things too, right? Like, right. Well, it is. It is crucially yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think I've noticed um, that 
the kids don't the kids aren't really bothered by different approaches to it it seems to me um from different people they they get accustomed to i guess if at least if they're raised relatively well they get accustomed to um what different people do like mm-hmm. my kids have basically never gotten more than a very small gift a physical gift from my father if that at all around Christmas time, sometimes just a card. The reason is that every year he puts a bunch of money into um, college funds for the oh, university okay. funds for them. And uh, even starting when they were like little, little and way before they could possibly comprehend that. Now they're getting to the age where they uh, they're they actually get it enough to be like, thank you, grandpa. We really, really appreciate yeah. that. But so but they don't there's no disappointment. Um, so I think they would just be used to it. But but what's important there with what you just said is that, you know, Amanda does that because that's her way of expressing. Like I would express it's a really good example in our house is birthdays. Eleni likes to throw birthday parties for the kids. If, if I was a single dad, Eleni was not around. My kids would never have a birthday party. Never, never. And I don't mean we wouldn't celebrate their birthday. I mean, we wouldn't have a party with a bunch of children. We would, they would, you know, pick a restaurant to go to and I'd make a cake and we would do those sorts of things. That's how I grew up. um, And that was fun. My estimation from class birthday invitations is that maybe half of kids in their classes do birthday parties at like, like Eleni likes to do. And I'm assuming the other half of our families that do what I would be doing which is absolutely celebrating the birthday, yeah. but not with a party. Yeah. Um, I never felt deprived as a kid that we didn't have big parties, but like, that's something Eleni likes yep. to do. That's yep. a way of expressing. Yep. So Amanda likes the gifts. You maybe wouldn't be getting the gifts. I think either of those pathways is okay, but it's interesting to observe that, um, you know, different people are like, you can't even just create a cookie cutter blanket. Like no, this is how you should right. do gifts for as an Orthodox Christian, because it, Depends on who you are. Yeah, and too, and right? in, like, and in this case too, right? Like you can, uh, she comes by it honestly. Like you, I can see this aspect of her in her father as well, right? So it is like it is yeah. more complicated than just like, well, you should do this or that. Like it really does depend on on who you are and how. Mm-hmm. And, and because the flip side is like, if if we didn't do it, if I if I didn't try to, you know, do in some small way support her, and I probably do less than 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 she would like <laughs> it's supporting her but um you know it like it would stress her out right to be to, to say like you should get less you should give them less if we if i were right, to start right. saying like oh you know it should only be orthodox materials or it should only be you know mm-hmm. of some spiritual edification and you should have a uh, uh, only a, a very limited budget, we should only, you know, whatever, you know, whatever amount that is. If I were to like put downward pressure on it, it would absolutely manifest in, in argument and tension because like, there's something, there's something within her that is that like, there's a kind of energy uh, t- toward doing this, that, sh- that she, that, that, that she in a sense needs to satisfy right mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i guess it's just sort of thinking out loud here but like but this is one of the sort of options i feel like that i sometimes see people gravitate towards to some degree in the orthodox church and in other traditions to other christian groups as well that i also feel 
like is problematic to wow. me anyway, which is the like, let's let's be sort of dour um, Puritans about it and like make sure we don't have too much fun. And Christmas should be about, uh -huh. you know, what reading the Bible. Uh -huh. It's about the birth of Jesus. And we're going to and I do think if you get a gift, it's going to be a Bible. And that's good. <laughs> I do that's what it's going to be. And we're not going to participate in any of that stuff. Out even there, you know? even for those folks who think of that as a kind of orthodox approach, I do think you're probably right that it is more Puritan than than classically orthodox right, anyway, right. I'm sure. I don't Well, the people I've known who've gotten who've gone kind of that direction as orthodox have have all been converts. So uh -huh. they might be uh -huh. to, And to, probably to North that. American I mean, converts. Certainly the Greeks I hang around if anything have but by certainly the opposite problem. But like I think you know as a point of illustration whether it's in the orthodox <laughs> church or other forms of Christianity. Like that also really bothers uh -huh. me. Like I think I think it just seems to me that we Christians need this is just my opinion but like we need to be ready to celebrate with the world a bit right in ways that are not just blatantly immoral yeah um like there are things that i won't do even though the world says they're okay right like yeah. sure there's a lot of things on that list but you know going to going to that christmas office party and you know, giving people a hug and saying Merry Christmas and maybe people exchange cards or a little, yeah. uh, you know, I got a, a jar of jalapeno jam from a coworker today. Right. And uh, yeah, and there's it's going to go on with the cheese on Christmas because there's going to be cookies and this, yeah. then, you know, well, do you eat the cookie at hospitality? Do you not? Well, that's always a bit of a judgment call. But anyway, like, I don't think we I, I don't think we serve the world or ourselves um, to simply say, no, we won't. Right. No. We're, we're not going to in, in, engage in any of the delight or enjoyment or things that and I don't doing. think you hear that from, that's as though that's yeah evil. I don't think you hear that from the ambo right I don't think there's a lot of Orthodox no. priests who are going to guide their congregation to 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 do that kind of thing and I, I do think that there is a kind of in, in you know inherent wisdom uh, uh, in that um, and I think like in, in part thinking about this like probably our, our risk is overthinking it right like this is the men among demons show that's all we do well yeah the... <laughs> and just over end the episode right hours. now dan end it <laughs> we're over we've reached the point where we've overthought we're starting to overthink um but like it, i mean i mean in the sense that that uh you know, like there, there's never going to be canons of the of the church about about like what people should give their kids on Christmas. Yeah, and like there's a reason yeah. for that, right? It's that's a good way know, to put it. You know, that's not like give be give your kids gifts, <laughs> encourage gift giving among one another, right? This is how because sharing these ways and and what what should it actually look like? I think I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of different ways. And much and and much like Saint Gregory the Great and his pastoral rule, uh, which I think of all the time, it's like that in in that book, you know, it's like the people you encounter as a pastor, you're going to have opposite kinds of people, who for whom for whom the same advice will work in opposite ways, right? You're going to have people who need simply need the opposite advice. Wisdom is not such yeah. that. 
you can you could just figure out the one answer and it and it works for every everyone it's, that's exactly not how it works and so too with gift giving it's it's like there there are probably some principles that we could uh that we could enumerate um that you're going to want to manifest but but within that you know as long as you're as long as you're trying to live like an orthodox christian i think yeah you should be celebrating you should not be we should not be hating the hating the world in the sense the in the puritanical sense that you were you were talking about before but exactly living for christ and i mean frankly yeah to even to go to go back to the fasting bit it's like like one one way of doing that is yeah celebrating with others but just being a little witness to to the fact that a little bit of self-discipline goes a long way and putting yeah. and putting yeah. that effort in it just it, it the rewards just compound it puts christ right like by doing like i said by doing kind of something really basic and simple as as not eating meat and all of a sudden, what's the reward? Christ is right there. He's back in Christmas. The whole feast has meaning again in a way that can't mm-hmm. be taken from you. Like that, what better message is there than that? It's such a it's such a wonder. Now, yeah, I, like for those of us living this life, yeah, we got to figure out what's the budget this year for Chris, for 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 presents and 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 mm-hmm. what should it be well should we get him a video game and it's like well mm-hmm. part you know he'd, he'd really like one but also we're, we're concerned about how much time he spends on 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 devices and blah right like you got to go through all that and there's mm-hmm. i i suspect there are no easy solutions but you're but you're trying to remember to be good parents you're trying to remember to be to be good orthodox christians and within that you know just finding your way it it seems like it comes down to what i mean it's a sort of simplistic almost stupid thing to say <laughs> stupidly simplistic thing to say in a way but it, it comes down to what what we center it center it on right i mean the, the, what's weird is that we were just talking about the opposite pastoral advice it's like getting my son a star wars lego set could be a very christian thing to do yeah uh if if it comes from the right place the right sense you know if it if if it's received after he first receives the true gift which is how we do, we've always put it on mm-hmm. christmas morning so we first we receive the real mm-hmm. gift the true gift right and then all these secondary gifts these are all they're all shadows, not evil shadows, mm-hmm. but they're they're all a little. If there's any good to them at all, mm-hmm. it's insofar as they point to the true mm-hmm. gift. So we come, we receive that first, and then you can go rip over the presents when we get back. Um, so it's like that kind of alignment, or that can become the point. And I think that's what you see with a lot of people, um, and, and including you know people in, in those Christian communities that actively cancel church service right. for Christmas. Like that's where you've started to say, well, that's become the point yep. that's become the thing that's become the sacrament rather than yes that ought to be pointing to um pointing to the, the yeah sacrament i think that's right yeah. yeah and it's just a thin it's a very thin sacrament i mean i think you know orthodox church doesn't have a closed list of sacraments so there's a degree to which it's a sacramental thing for me to even to give my son a star wars lego set it, it yeah. is to some degree, if it's done the right way, um, but it's it's thin. It's nothing close yeah. to the Eucharist. Yeah. 
and then divorced of that context of the of the really thick, really profound sacraments or sacrament, um, it becomes it quickly begins to atrophy, right. right? Like it's separated from its taproot, it seems to me. And it, it'll be okay for a little while. It's well, it's like the Christmas tree that we've got our, that with the Christmas tree we've got in our living room right now, which is a real Christmas tree. You know, for for a while, it is still alive. Like it's actually kind of fine for the little while, <laughs> but it's not going to be forever because it doesn't. Yeah, I'm all about the metaphor real. of the cut flower these days, right? Like yeah, that's that's that works on on all the levels, <laughs> and that's and that's what it is, right? And Christmas, and you can see in in our day and age, even you know, only only more so than in in Chuck Schultz's. Have I got that name right? Peanuts creator. Anyways, Charles Charles Schultz. Schultz. Yes, that's right. Even right, it's only gotten worse, right? And it truly is a cut flower where Christmas, the Christmas, re- remains a beautiful festival, but it has been cut. It was cut from its roots at a society level, right? Whatever that means, right? At the level of you know Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, in my in my context, in our context. Um, that that it's it has been severed from its its life source long ago, and there is still beauty, but you can see it increasingly withering and fading. It's dying, and that's and that death is inevitable, in some sense, unless unless it can be regrafted, which doesn't look likely at this point. <laughs> it doesn't it really yeah. doesn't. Well. It, maybe we could speculate a little after um, after our break here about where you think it might go. I also wanted to ask or bring up, um, and I don't know, maybe we won't, maybe we will, maybe we won't talk about, do you want to talk about Santa Claus? Uh, we could talk about Santa Claus. After, yeah. after the break. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> something, something in there, but let's, yeah. uh, let's pause her here and, uh, and then we'll reconnoit. Sounds good. Before the break, we mentioned where this is all going for the secular world. And I also brought up Santa Claus. These two things seem to, to me to both point similarly towards a question about that we've been hovering around, circling around, which is the, the, the different kinds of liturgies we have around Christmas in that secular form versus our Christian form and, and the ways of interconnecting these things or the ways in which we're challenged. Um, but like a figure, a, a, an issue like Santa Claus is something that comes up <laughs> Orthodox Christians. It's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole mythology. It's a whole, you know, almost soteriology. You might even say there's like this, this figure 
It's got a lot of religious elements. It has way back, way deep, a Christian root in a very beloved saint who is very popular for Orthodox Christians, rightly so, St. Nicholas. Um, but in its modern form, Santa Claus is, well, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. So what is what is your take on on that and or any <laughs> anything else that's going on with with because it's interesting to me that in at this time of year these secular um it's the by far the most um obviously religious that the secular world gets there's a bunch of rituals that suddenly come out yeah. and they surround the buying and giving of stuff as mainly yeah. um, and to some degree food yeah. But all of a sudden, even secular people yeah. uh, have a whole whole bunch of rituals, a whole bunch of things they need to do, and a whole bunch of mythological stuff <laughs> um, suddenly comes into their lives yeah. for this one brief time of year. How? What do we do with that? Can we? Do we just run the other way? Yeah. Well, I mean, Santa Claus is a matter of of some debate, certainly in in Orthodox yes. and traditional Catholic circles from my, that I recall from my days on Twitter. <laughs> so there are differing opinions and, um, yes. And it can get pretty heated can get pretty heated. Do have you, do you, have you ever taken your kids to see Santa Claus or yes, uh, we have Santa Claus a, stuff? I, yeah. I, we have a very hilarious picture. One of our most hilarious pictures in the family of, of William and Kayla before Hannah was born with Santa Claus. Because Santa is like, because you know you go to the mall, right? Do mm -hmm. the whole lineup, and and the kids sit on the lap mm -hmm. and so forth. You know the ritual. And in the picture, <laughs> and then at the end, you know you get a picture, and then of course you pay for the picture or whatever. It's all a big racket. And in the picture, I wish I had it here to show you. Uh, you know, Santa's like looking off camera, and and William is like making a face. Like there's just this whole bizarre. It's just so bizarre. <laughs> and and beautifully just a beautiful <laughs> weeb sort of dumb photo but anyways yeah like we have taken i haven't lately and hannah hannah hasn't wanted to hannah's a little younger yeah even, even hannah's probably out kind of outgrowing it i think joey's too old at this point to i mean and santa like and santa claus is kind of santa weird claus. in a couple of ways like i was wondering if covid kind of killed santa last year I, we were at the, I remember being at the mall last year doing some Christmas shopping. I don't know when the last week or so before Christmas and years ago, the lineup to see Santa was like around the block. Like you'd be a half hour, 45 minute wait or whatever more. And like, there was no, literally nobody in line and the, and the elves were just standing around us. It's such a weird thing. I'm like, do people just not want to get close to Santa? There's more people this year, but still the lineups are not like they used to be. And I don't say that to yeah. I wonder. I wonder if it did. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't care. But it is interesting. Like, and yeah. at the same time, I think you could probably do an analysis of like Santa in film. <laughs> like Santa yeah. in film has gotten kind of weird. It's. What are you thinking of? Why? Well, uh... Very recent stuff, or. Recent. We just watched the Santa Claus the other night with uh, Tim with 90s. Tim Allen, yeah. With Tim Allen, yes. Yeah, that was. I think. I think yeah. that that movie was probably the first one where I was like, oh, I feel like Santa's." No, it was. Um, 
I think he's pretty, he's pretty clutch. It I mean, it's clutch. it's a little bit of a I'm weird plot. A like he turns yeah, into I'm thinking Santa. of a different. Theory. But other than that, he's a pretty he's a pretty pretty typical. Just, he has to learn to be Santa, but in a very stereotypical way. But yes, I, I think there's been other right. stuff more recently. That's a 30 year old movie. That's, that's a very right. Old movie. No, no, I was thinking of um, Christmas with the Cranks, which is not quite a Santa Claus ah. movie, but that was the first, which is okay. I don't know, probably 10, 10 or fifteen years old. That that was the first movie that I saw that I'm like cr- like completely devoid of all of religious references completely right. um yeah i don't know yeah yeah but maybe i'm maybe i'm uh maybe i'm barking up a tree that i can't uh, i can't quite whatever fall, follow through on but it does seem like there there's a there's a bit of a cultural shift over the last couple of decades as do i mean just a secularization probably just an increasing secularization now santa was already a secularization of St. Nicholas in some sense. I don't know this. I mean, it's a right. whatever 1500 year history of this, of this figure. I mean, St. Nicholas was at the council of Nicaea. I mean, this guy goes back a long yeah. way, long way, fourth century. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Things, things do seem to be changing. I mean, around that, like I do think COVID kind of killed it to some degree. And uh, our, our, previous Santa tradition pre pre COVID was to go to the Royal Botanical Gardens, which had a really, really nice, like you had to get a ticket. It was a kind of paid event and it was super classy and really fancy. And like, it would take you on a train and only in like certain, you know, number of people. And then, and you, you do a craft and then you'd have, you know, cookies and hot really? cocoa. And then you finally see Santa and the Santa would know the names of your kids already. Cause you put that in and it was like oh, a real awesome. bearded, it was like, hoity toity visiting santa like this was yeah upper echelons here burlington ontario right <laughs> uh, uh it was it was nice we enjoyed it we had a nice time and we we've always um we've always talked to our kids about santa claus um just like we talked to them about the tooth fairy which is a thing we absolutely do mm-hmm. like i think that's a super fun tradition mm-hmm to give your kids a couple of bucks or whatever mm-hmm. when they lose their tooth under the mm-hmm. pillow. And they have never, ever, ever thought there was an actual fairy. Mm-hmm. We've always expressed it to them as this is a fun tradition. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you want to know what's really happening, yeah, mom and dad are putting the money under your pillow, but it's so fun to make believe or whatever. And I, to me, I don't, feel that that has diminished their enjoyment of that kind of thing at all. Like they right. love the tooth fairy thing. Um, I mean, you know, but my two older are, are now past that, you know, they're, they're out of baby teeth, but my littlest is still losing them. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to take anything away. I've never fully understood the whole idea of like, they have to, it's, it's like, I think of basically, I think of um, like the work of someone like Jonathan Pajot. I have a t-shirt that says, one of his famous quotes. I don't watch a ton of Peugeot, by the way. I've seen only just a little bit. But one of his famous quotes that I love so much was, obviously Santa Claus uh-huh. exists. And I have the t-shirt that says that on it. <laughs> because Santa Claus exists as a, what he's saying is as 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 what he is, a, a cultural As a character. Tradition. He's he's a character yes, that- he's a cultural yeah, character. Yeah, and I was going to- Of course he exists. Yeah, and I was going to bring I mean, up- He's not a flesh and blood person anymore, but You yeah. should be, like listeners, if they haven't seen, if they haven't seen that video, don't go check that video out on YouTube. It's, 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 it's really- It's very important. interesting, yeah. And it's yeah. important. And I, I don't think- It's yeah. important for, for yeah. thinking through even what we're talking about on this show. 
it is it is and that's what i was kind of coming around to it's like i don't think the kids have lost any enjoyment of those traditions by knowing that there is there, there's not a guy who wears red at the north pole now when it comes to santa claus we have done our best to try to reconnect it to the saint nicholas story to the actual saint nicholas right. who we then tell them saint nicholas was a he was a real yeah. person he lived that's historical you know these things roughly at yeah. least happened the stuff in the stories like we think this really did yeah. occur this the the north pole stuff um we don't necessarily like bar that and say thou must never participate in that, right? right? Like you, you can't sit on, on the guy's knee and ask for a, you know, a football. That's, that's like, you know, you, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't, I just don't, we don't make that big yep. of a deal of it either way. Yep. Exactly. But what we want them to know and understand is like, those things are, those things are tradition and that's imagination play or whatever the north pole stuff so while you know we watched the santa claus movie together right yep. they go to the north pole and there's elves and like that's imagination play yep. that's fun um it's symbolic of certain things most of them at least at their core we're pretty comfortable with as christians the saint nicholas who is the originating source of the, what's best in these traditions that's a real live human being and I feel like they they get it. I don't think they struggle with that, and I don't think it actually takes away any of the uh, any of the fun of elves in North Pole if right. you find that fun. Which uh, and it, it seems like zero problem for them. Like, oh yeah, okay, cool, right? Yeah, elves North Pole. Yeah, Let's yeah, pretend, yeah. yay! And uh, Saint Nicholas, real real person. Okay, that who's like a, a great, wonderful saint, a Christian that we can learn from. Yeah, and, and there yeah. are and there are like. Well, because they're they don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? There are degrees of exactly, degrees of exactly. Here. And the, I mean, the thing yeah. is, like, part of the part of the point of that of one of the, one of the key points of Pajot's in that in that video, of course, Santa Claus exists, is that when you when when your when your kid when you take your kid to go see Santa at the mall, like you're not like the the person whose lap they're sitting on. It's not just Joe. Joe Schmo, right? It's not some, you're not, your kids aren't, 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 you would never do it if it was just some person. But as soon as that, as right. soon as, as soon as Joe uh, dons the suit and takes the name Santa, he, he is, a, he's adorned with this mythos that everyone, it's a character, right? It's a character right. that, that exists and justifies, we make movies about him like endless stream of movies. We pretend to be him at Christmas when we write, you know, to so-and-so from Santa like that. We, we embody that character, right? And the person at the mall embodies that character so that this whole thing happens. Um, and so, but you know, like, you know, that a character like that has a certain kind of, has a certain kind of existence that you can participate and again, I think you're right. Like it's, you know, you just kind of are not worrying too much about it, right? If you, you can go wrong by pushing, by, by leaning a little too much into the mythos and being right. I think you can imagine what it'd be like with your kids if you like really drummed it up about like, oh yes, the North Pole and so-and-so like, and really drummed it up as though right, it was as right. real as like my work that I go to every day, right? It's like you could you can imagine like that would start to feel a little bit slimy just just in the way that like this kind of again puritanical desire to be like 
no, nothing. It's none of it's real. Avoid it all. Also, right. it's kind of yeah. like you can't ever. Yeah. In both cases, you're kind of making too big of a deal. You can't it. ever just have some fun imagining yeah. something. Like really, we, just, we can never do That's that. Right. But I've I've known people. I mean, Orthodox Christians and others who, um, who basically would say that. That's right. You know, you can't have fairy tales. You can't do any of those. It's all imaginary. And I'm like, well, I mean, my spiritual father thought that that was. I don't think it's too strong a word for me to say that he considered that heresy. Uh huh. Like a, a severely, um, a severely destructive way of looking at the world. Uh-huh. Uh, to, to his thinking, fairy tales, mythology—not that they're always good. I mean, they can be used in all kinds of ways. But the human capacity to engage in fairy tale thinking is essential yeah. was essential yes. in his eyes to being human and to cultivate it properly um you know reading authors who do his favorite is c.s lewis you know wonderful fairy tale creator christian fairy tale creator tolkien's another great example that he loved uh and these are guys and they wrote essays tolkien especially wrote a very famous essay about you know the value how important it is fairy tales and cultivating them we have to do it as Christians, right? You can take it and make it evil. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. You can take any human capacity and through demonic influence, make it evil. But like, yeah, it's, I, I think those who want to say, um, and so that's not to say there's no problems at all with what happens with Santa. It, it, it occurs to me that a lot of these Santa films, Elf is a film we watch mm-hmm. every year as a family because mm-hmm. I love it. It's so funny mm-hmm. and good and just well-made and, it's it's a classic mm-hmm. right but if there's anything insidious going on in that movie and a lot of santa movies it's the notion that like what people really need to do is just like really truly believe in santa right, right. Like, yeah yeah like that's the redemption in the movie is when we finally believe yeah. again and that's the part where i want to be like well... to my kids like kind of yeah like what we need is to is to have faith but definitely not um, belief, like a kind of forensic belief in the physical ontological reality of a guy in red at the North Pole, because there isn't, he's not there. That's not real in that yeah. way. Um, and and so these films get a little bit cockeyed there for sure. It's like they, there's a seed of something that I do want my kids to have, which is that you need to not be stuck in nothing but this this space where stuff is just bumping yeah, into other narrow, stuff, sort of right? The secular materialist yeah. world where all there is is a materialist world. Your life is going to be empty and meaningless and pointless. But it's like what these films and what our culture doesn't don't always seem to understand to me is that they don't understand the alternative. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like they don't seem to grasp that the alternative isn't believing that there's a literal guy at the North Pole either. That's just doing the same thing and adding something to it that within the sphere of that isn't true. Physically, there's no dude wearing red at the North right. Pole, right? So so expanding beyond materialism requires actually expanding beyond it, actually getting beyond its whole the way it functions. And that's what I think a lot of Christians get caught in too, who don't want to have anything to do with fairy tales, right? Because they can't do it either. Like they just think, well, those things aren't materially true. Right. And it's like, yeah, but you're not getting it. You're taking it another direction. You're going to be all puritanical about it. You're going to be, you know, like 
a no fun <laughs> wet blanket about uh -huh. it um, and call that moral virtue. But both of these sides have failed to apprehend that like these things just don't work that way at all. And to, yeah. and to assess them and, and decide whether to participate in them or not, you have to engage with them within their own, within the framework of what they actually do. Like, I think the reason this is important is because the, the, the quote unquote muscles, nice little sort of materialist image, but the muscles that you're using when you are being Santa or thinking about that story or engaging in, you know, writing a screenplay or whatever, right? Like manifesting Santa are this are the same or closely related muscles that you need to produce the gospel accounts of Christ. Right. Yes. The gospels are, are myth. <laughs> See, this is the thing right? where I don't want people to misunderstand right? what I'm saying. But the Gospels are mythological texts. That's right. Not that I don't think those things happen, basically. It's the same. There may be very some minor details. Well, and the, God, the Gospel of John's a whole other kettle of fish. But, um, but like, <laughs> they're historical. Okay, there was a Jesus uh -huh. of Nazareth, right? Lest anyone think I'm a heretic. Absolutely. <laughs> I believe he died. Yeah. I believe he literally That's a key difference. Dead. I believe that's all a, That's that. a key difference. I believe he was literally born from a In, virgin. That's but those right. texts... Funk, like the way they work to get you to apprehend the truth, they do so by not just accessing your historical right. way of thinking. They do access that, and they're meant to. They are also intended, they were written, they're crafted deliberately to access your mythopoetic right. capacity. Well, and in fact, that's person. how the thing is that that's how you most fully engage the significance of history. Right. And so right. like when, when yeah. C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien are writing stories and talking about the importance of, of myth and fairy tale, when they write them, again, they're using, they're using the same or related muscles, so to speak. What they're manifesting is like they're trying to manifest certain kinds of principles, certain principles of sociality, of certain principles of human nature, certain principles of the way things work in the world that otherwise expressed are fairly are fairly abstract whereas whereas with Christ like you say we're talking about we're we're talking about someone who did in fact have a material existence yeah. right and and but is the sum is the completeness of the entirety of the mythopoetic right. or mythopoeic truth yeah he is the entire and it's the, the whole mind blowing genius of it is that that's all fulfilled and embodied in an actual, also yes. fully historical, actual flesh of a person. Yes. You could have walked up and to and shaken his hand, and, right? Just like you yes. could mine. That's the whole idea. Yeah, that this is the collision of both of these spheres. Like, that's why Christ is the and savior. Saint, and Saint Nicholas is like closer to the closer to the Christ end of that spectrum or maybe Christ is the center of the is is, is the center of uh, of a great orb or something mm -hmm. well however you think of it right like because you know like santa santa claus to us is is still this still this mythic figure now without without a like that that's increasingly abstracted from the kind of materially existing 
figure at the at the core. But if you just read about Saint Nicholas, like you cannot read about Saint Nicholas, the actual of of the, the you know the the Archbishop of Myra and Lycia, the right the Wonder Worker. You can't read about him without reading him through these wondrous stories, these myths about right. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is the access we have to that that person who very much physically existed in in mm -hmm. Asia Minor in those in in those days, and then all the more so Christ, like that 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 is that that mythic layer is our access but so that it's a continuity and discontinuity it's continuous with things like 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 santa claus and the tooth fairy in that you know there is this mythic layer of engagement with a figure through significance through through symbolism through um right just like yeah, just through through symbolism and sacramentality, right? Like the confluence of 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 strands of meaning coming together. But but the discontinuity is that at at the heart of it is some is someone who exists more than you and I do. Right, you know, and and yeah. Santa Santa Claus has kind of a has a certain kind of less lesser existence i don't know we, whatever we can we can we can figure out language but but uh you know he's a he's a character sort of more purely a character type uh than than uh but 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 christ himself is is not just a character type but like the the sum the summation of all character types and an actual human right like it's yeah. all like all of the like how all things come together all aspects of creation come together in Christ, right? Santa Claus is a little bit like Christ in in this in this mythic sense, and and Saint Nicholas is a little more like, well, a lot more like Christ, right? Anyways. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's like there's a there's a sense this time of year of you're seeing how our society is trying to reach back. Yeah, like people need the mythopoetic. People need mythology they need that and santa claus is one of as people become divorced from christ uh, and this is not just the fault of the secular world this is the fault also of many in the in the christian world many in the christian church um people are becoming disconnected from christ and therefore reaching to Santa Claus, they're reaching for superheroes. We could probably do a whole episode about superheroes wow. if I ever watched any of those movies, <laughs> but gosh, are they huge right now? And they have been for a while. Wow. These are like these mythological figures, these mythological characters reaching, reaching, reaching for that. And it seems to me that, mm -hmm. you know, losing access to Christ on that plane of your thinking, which many Christians have done as well, because Christians seem to have decided, oh, well, not at all, but some Christians, many Christians seem to have decided that, what we should do is starkly contrast mythopoetic thinking and materialist historical thinking, starkly contrast them, agree with the scientific humanists that only, only the rationalist materialist way of thinking is real. Only that has anything to do with truth. Mythopoetic is pure fabrication. That way of human engagement with the world around us is nonsense and crap and garbage so we're going to agree with all of that right. we're going to become total modernists and so that but we want to stay christian so we're going to fight all about you know 
the historic the historicity right. of Jesus, the historicity of right. all these accounts. We're going to fight about that day in and day out. And now we're going to talk about this infallible Bible where every little right. word that came out of his mouth, it's exactly what came out of his mouth. And that becomes how we locate truth because we've already given up the hostages. Right. We've already said, yes, the mythopoetic way of thinking is garbage and idiocy, yeah. but the, but it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> and so Christmas rolls around and people watch movies about Santa yeah. Claus and people watch Alf and uh and people watch yeah the santa claus or whatever yep. else we're watching and they love it and and when they're and when it's not christmas time they're watching superheroes because humans have got we just can't not engage in that way of understanding the world that this where these symbolic mythological characters come along and one of the risks of not being able to access the fact that you must do that and you will do that is you therefore can't, you cannot be critical about it. Anything that gets dumped into your head becomes, it takes, it takes over. You become a, it becomes a, a wide open door for the demonic, right? Superhero movies yeah, right. are, I think, very profoundly demonic, very profoundly demonic because they love to paint the world in black and white, good guys and bad yeah, guys, right? Like, and there's something kind of maybe somewhere in there, like they're always, the demons are always twisting something, but the degree to which that has infected and corrupted our world, it really cannot be overstated right. to my mind. That this is how people now think about humans because we haven't been able to stop and say, wait, what should we do with our mythology? What, what mythological stories should we tell? What should we say about Santa? Yeah, yeah. Not just, not just like what would, what would be, what, would, what, what weird thing has nobody done with Santa? And I can sell a bunch of tickets. What weird thing has nobody done with Superman? And I'll sell, but like, oh, Superman's gay all of a sudden. Like, oh, I'll sell a bunch of tickets, right? Like to the movie theater. Like, okay, like, I mean, maybe that makes a fantastic myth. Maybe you're saying something and it's like worth it, right? But like, we don't even think critically about it anymore. No. We don't even think, we're not myth makers at all. We don't think to ourselves. And this is, I think, one of the things we have to recover as Christians and as Christian parents is like, what parts of Santa do I want my kid to engage in this time of year? Like, what are the, how do I want to craft this myth for them? Because I want to do it well. And to just say, I won't do it that's bad and evil. They should just sit and read their Bible and about the saints lives and only read about the historical St. Nicholas. I'm like, that's not going to cut it right. because then they're going to fill their mythological minds with some other stuff. So instead we should engage with, yeah, with, with, with the mythological way of thinking, but do it carefully. Think about it. Cause not all of it is good. That part is true. What would be a good way for them to engage? With, with Santa Claus or with Superman, right? Or whatever, or ancient uh, Greek myths. I mean, yeah. And Christian myths above all, of course. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. And that's right. Like, that's why, that's why, like in the first half, I talked, sort of emphasized the, the fast and the discipline aspect of, of keeping that, you know, that serves to keep Christ in Christmas. The, the, the flip side is, again, is again, the, the feast, but not just in the sense of the, not just in the sense of eating, but in the sense of the, the, the myth of it, the story, the stories that we tell, the hymns that, the hymns that we have that, um, that are the church's mythos right that that fill its imagination like that you need that positive account of the story in order to uh in order to remember 
who Christ is. Like the thing is, yeah. In order to remember, in, in order to remember who Christ is, and like what that what that does for meaning, like there's a couple of things intertwined here. One is that, like, we we keep reaching to you know culturally to. You talked about Christmas time comes around, and all you know, all the secularist, anti-traditionalists, and so forth are now reaching for these myths and rituals, right? We're buying rituals, we're buying right, gifts yeah. like we do every year. We're telling the same stories. We're yeah. watching Home Alone again, right? We're doing all yeah. the all all the things, right? Like so so ritual, right? Repeated ritual behavior is is one aspect, um, which is to say tradition, maintaining traditions. Yeah is an aspect uh myth is an aspect right the stories that we tell like and, and that all and how these things work together to give significance right to give meaning like i was just to, to kind of go to, to just relay a story like yesterday our, our kids have a little bit of distance between their ages and they've all now gone through you know our youngest is is going through the same elementary school that our that our older two went and when Kayla, our oldest, was was going through, like we still had Christmas programs, and there was even a Christmas program where you know where all the little kids have their all their choirs and maybe a little drama. And one of them, one year, was still even like about Silent Night, which is still you know a religious theme. Um, and and this year they're like, come for a winter celebration between these you know between this right. these hours and we're like we thought it was a concert but it, but then we headed there for the concert and all the kids are like coming home it's like okay we're not going there for a concert it's just like a bunch of like hula hoops and and um curling rocks in the gym and you go make an ornament in one of the classrooms and it's like there's no concert no singing yeah. no you can't even sing. no right well, because what would you sing that wouldn't be offensive? Well, that that's right, that's right. And you can see, you can see, like it's this radical breakdown of the tradition. And I have to say, I mean, we like Amanda and I were there with Hannah, and she had a good time because she was running around with a friend. But the two of us are literally standing there, waiting, standing around some elementary school, waiting for our kid to have fun for, you know, forty five minutes, and then we'll go home. Like what is happening yeah. here? You know what it is? It's meaningless. It's just utter meaningless. And that, and that was yeah. the thing that's like you, in order to preserve meaning in this context, you like the children need to rehearse and learn some songs. And then we all need to gather on an evening and we'll pack out the little elementary school gym and they'll set up the risers and all the kids and they'll sing some songs. And like you cut again, back to that cut flower. It's like, we've, you've gone away from, 
if you you move away from the traditions and what you sing about the kinds of things you sing about at christmas are the myths about christmas and and the ritual of all getting together to hear the kids sing and isn't it lovely and and you get your little video of, or whatever it is right and you lose all that and it becomes meaningless and that i think to your point that is unsustainable humans can't yeah. humans cannot do that um and so we will exactly look towards myths and towards traditions like and, and and how these things work together and if and if you don't have guidance like lord only knows what will what will grab onto and it's some oh it's, it's crazy and and like and santa claus becomes weird and exactly like you say right like without any kind of grounding and tradition uh you know who knows what santa claus is going to look like in the next movie um and so, yeah, so there, there, there really is, I think, a, a kind of breakdown of meaning that, that, we're, that we're facing here. Uh, but the flip side is, um, yeah, there's, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to engage in some real, real myths that have to do, that are linked with real actual people and above all, above all Christ himself. And it's a, and it's a like, it all, in a sense, becomes the easiest thing in the world to participate in something so deeply meaningful because you get together, you get together for liturgy, you get together for the vigil the night before and you sing all the hymns and you sing all about his overcoming of idolatry. And you, you sing about, about the, the, um, the wise men discovering Christ because of a star. Those who worshiped the stars were taught by a star to adore you, the son of righteousness, right? These hymns that we sing every, every year, um, and it, and it, and it brings you right back, right back to the core of it. it. It becomes a good opportunity. I feel like to evangelize this time of year, if we, if we do it carefully, I, I noticed that, um, we're, we're never at our home parish for Christmas. We, we're always in church, but right. we're, we're in, in Detroit. traveling Michigan. Um, and, um, but, uh, I know from, uh, from speaking to our priest, um, that, Christmas Day is a day when we get a lot of visitors, um, and they're usually like either some of them might be very quite serious Christians, some of them might be sort of nominal Christians, whoever they are. But the thing is, it's a day where there there are these people out there who go against the grain a little bit and think to themselves, some part of them thinks that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want to go be in a church on this day. Mm -hmm. And the precisely the fact that so many Protestant churches are closed or even actively cancel services as we talked about earlier mm -hmm. on, um, he gets calls, he gets emails uh, from people, uh, you know, who've never met and may even never see again saying, are, are you going to have services on Christmas? I'm looking for a church, like just any church. Yeah. I don't even care. Don't like know. it could be Methodist, United, like whatever. <laughs> a church that is Christian at all, that's going to have a service of any, of any kind, kind whatsoever <laughs> on Christmas day. Are you going to have, you know, I don't, whatever it is. And when the answer is yes, then people, yep. some of these people come because they it, like, it, it's a time of year that I think triggers 
for those who are disconnected, at least some, at least some people who are disconnected from th these really critical things, these really critical aspects of yeah. what we are as yeah. humans, they notice the lack yeah. much more than some afternoon in, you know, whatever, middle, late February, uh, it, like end of December, right around the solstice, right? This is the darkest time of year. Um, and this is a whole big thing for me. I, I think, I think the seasons are really important in all yep. this personally, but maybe that's another, another topic, but like these things are happening and you see the, it's just like something gets called up in people's soul, at least here in Canada where they go, you know, man, I want to, I want to drink a little from the well of at least the symbolic. Yep. Right. And if they know a little something about Christ or Christianity, it's often this time of year when they go, yeah, you know, in the Catholic churches where this is the biggest feast of the year, like they're going to be full up Christmas night, people they never yep. see people who aren't even trying, even remotely trying to live like Roman Catholics are told that they, they should live are going to show up. There are so many of them, right? It's going to be packed. Yep. And Orthodox churches too. They're going to be very busy on Christmas. It, Easter is by far bigger for us. So the Christ-haunted Orthodox show up on, on Easter still. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of phenomenon though. We're like, there's that piece of you. And that's that's an opportunity. It's interesting to notice. And I think a lot of what we see in the secular world around us are these secular attempts, these kind of demonic attempts to say, oh, but we can, yeah, we can do that too. And they suck. They're not very good nope. at it. And it creates a real opportunity for us as Christians <laughs> to say, hey, we know how to do this yeah. well, <laughs> you know, uh, or we should. And, and churches who've forgotten how to do it well are in big trouble in the long run, not just for Christmas time, but permanently. And churches who can remember or who can reinvigorate it are the ones that can survive. Because yeah, this this is this is the gateway. This is to say you have this whole aspect of yourself that is starving. That's a cut flower. Uh, but the good news is, unlike a cut flower, we, we as humans we can graft ourselves back in if we want. Yeah, you can have been you may yeah. have been a cut flower for yeah. 40, 50 years, but any moment, any second, you can turn around and say, "God, put me back yeah. on the vine." And he will put you back yeah. on the line. Now we've talked, that's right. To add a third element, started talking about discipline. Then we've spent some time talking about myth. And certainly one more element is, is family, sociality, the social. Yeah, I'll tell you, like, so I go to our, our uh, patron saint of our church is St. Nicholas. And, and the St. Nicholas feast this year was just absolutely lights out. Second yeah, only to to Pascha with the kind of festival okay, atmosphere. Okay, well, it should be. It kind of should be. Yeah, it should. And be. it was beautiful, and and like you know, just a beautiful little evening candlelit vesper service, which is when we have our uh, uh, patron feast usually, because um, obviously most often the the feast itself lands on a on a weekday, and people tend to be working. So we those vespers, and we go downstairs afterwards, and like just the conviviality the i mean it's just truly special and christmas is a is a is a dark time for a lot of people and that's i think there's probably no bigger single aspect to that darkness than our individuality 
right? A radical disconnection from families and from and the, the narrowing of the family to the nuclear family, right? Uh, the, our, our disconnection from tribes, our disconnection from the broader people, from from not just mom, dad, and siblings, but like uncles, aunts, cousins, um, and the wider group of friends, the grandparents, right? Like the, the, the larger, proper sort of civic family unit the clan and and that that is there too as long as we are working to maintain those bonds of love in our communities like this is a this is an important time for if for for exactly those visitors who may only step into a church once a year to be able to come and just feel like maybe just for a moment you you can you can feel like a part of a bigger of a bigger movement of a bigger group of people that truly loves one another right well yeah and in, in a way as you're talking like it occurs to me like it works this actually works to connect all of us with with well with the strangers who walked in the door but yes with aunts and with uncles and with friends and what like the the feeling at a proper feast is it's exactly what you want. And what I'm thinking of here is that like people in our world at this time of year, at Christmas time, like vastly, 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 all seem to still have the sense that like, this is a time of year where you should go see your mom uh-huh. and your dad and your sister, yep. right? And for so many people, for very understandable reasons, that's not necessarily good news. right? It can be very bad yeah. news. And so now you're caught between either you go do it and it sucks and it's miserable and everyone's mad and there's tension and it's a big problem. Um, but you do it because it's Christmas, darn it. And that's where you should be doing and that's where you should be. And it's your family yep. and whatever. Uh, or you don't do it at all because it's just gotten even that bad. But then you're like a little heartbroken. You're like, now you're in Christmas with wherever. And you're sitting there feeling sad and feeling like, you know, it really sucks that this all this all broke down. Um, and what what church can give you is is through. Well, yeah, before I say that, I, I'll tell you the story quickly of my worst Christmas <laughs> ever when I was a teenager. Let's go. My, we, we went to Holland, Michigan. This, my parents were still married. And my grandmother, who was just the, basically a saint, what a, an absolutely wonderful woman um, who I miss desperately, uh, decided for various reasons that we were going to like pretend Christmas was Christmas Eve and pretend the 23rd was Chris, was Christmas Eve. So we were going to celebrate Christmas on the 24th and we we're going to celebrate Christmas Eve on the 23rd because there was a thing we were going to do on the 25th. And then people were going to stick around and there's these family pictures because it was their 50th wedding anniversary for my grandparents. And a couple of things were interesting about this. One was that it did not work. We couldn't just pretend that the 24th was really the 25th. We did all the things and it sucked. It was just like we couldn't trick ourselves. We were trying to trick ourselves. This is before I was born out of time. Like none of that mattered to me at this point. But like, it just doesn't work, which is interesting. Interesting. I believe it. Um, because we all know it wasn't freaking Christmas. Anyway, so that all happened, and then there's this whole situation. I don't even need to get into the details. 
insane situation blows up with my grandfather and my dad just says um so we we done it was actually in fact the 24th and my dad's like we're done we've eaten the meal and he's like i'm that i'm leaving i'm going back to detroit it's about three hours away across the state of michigan i'm out of here i'll be back for the uh, family photo for the 50th anniversary in like whatever it was three four days uh, i'm going uh -huh. bye and i'm like uh I, i'm i'm gonna go with you <laughs> So dad and I left, drove across the state and that was fine. And I don't regret the decision. And we came back, we did the photo. It's like, we we're not, you know, there yep. was, it wasn't like a total middle finger. Yep. It was just like, we're not dealing with this for the next two days yeah. though, because this is nuts. Hilariously, everyone got so horrifically sick with a stomach bug while we were gone. We were both fine. Isn't that fun? But anyway, so Chris, actual Christmas rolls around and I'm like through Christmas day, it's actually Christmas, just me and my dad kind of didn't do anything. We'd sort of celebrate the day before, but it wasn't for real. And I'm just like miserable. Uh -huh. I'm so I'm about as sad as I've ever been because it's like, it's not that I wanted to be with my family under the circumstance. I didn't, but it was like, I wanted to have the kind of family where that would be okay. Or like or where I would have yeah. wanted to be there. Um, and then I get this call from my friend, my high school friend who goes, Hey, my family is getting together for their Christmas. Uh, it, I, but I need a ride. <laughs> it's like, but but you can come, you can celebrate with us. And I was like, this is going to be awkward. So I called this other friend. This is like the night of Christmas Day, and I was like, well, maybe if Will can come, I'll, I'll take you. And and sure enough, Will could come. So okay, so I'm like, okay, well, he's get him, get him card, take take him to his family. We all get together, and these people knew how to uh -huh. do it, Greg. Uh -huh. This ended up being like my favorite Christmas memory of all time because we came in and they were so warm and they had their meal and they took an interest in us and we all stood around a carol a piano and sang Sweet. carols and by gum that was a beautiful Christmas and I was like I'm like a tears driving home I'm like Gordon could you <laughs> so the worst Christmas is so the best Christmas went to be the yeah. best right what am I trying to say with all that crazy story well. What I'm trying to say is that the structuring of it matters tremendously. Yeah. So what I see a lot of people doing in, right. in our world these days is trying to have the family connection, wanting to have the family connection, but it doesn't work. And they end up where I was on that Christmas yes. day, which is very dark. So you're either with them and everyone's like, and it's a disaster and people are screaming and your grandfather has locked himself in his bedroom and he won't come out until you're gone. That's a hell of a situation. Yeah. Or you're not there and you're maybe even worse off because you're like, why come on? What you need is enough is to just go to a space where there's a whole liturgy yep. where it's you. It's not about making a yeah. feeling happen. It's not about getting along even it isn't. And it's incredible at a feast day in an Orthodox church to go in and we do the things and we say the prayers and then we come down and we eat the meal and it doesn't matter. Like you can do all this. And I, it seems to me like that's the only way to reliably bring a community of people together, to reliably bring a family right. of people together to celebrate something. Right. Because if we're just trying to do it willy nilly on our own, then all of our personal shit explodes. Right. And Christmas is the worst time of year for so many like people. Contriving it, contriving it is right. Like there's, there's this yeah. impulse, like we know we need to get together, but then because we have nothing bigger orienting that togetherness, it just is contrived. 
and under it's kind right. of under so false auspices, right? Because what would be the difference, yeah. right? Like in a church context, you'd be like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like the material, <laughs> the wisdom right? The material conditions uh, in your story, the material conditions are in all meaningful sense identical, right? The the family's yeah. all together. You have your meal. You have yeah. your gifts. Like whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Just because it was like, and as Neil deGrasse Tyson would remind us all, the calendar date is completely arbitrary or or whatever. It's it's just this or right. that. Like you can easily, yeah. but, and yet like that contrived, that contrivedness makes a difference. The fact that it's not, the fact, you know, the fact that your the, the family liturgies aren't oriented to anything bigger means that you get sucked into uncle Bob's a racist and, and, you know, cousin Jenny is too much of a Democrat and, and like whatever, right? Like you don't. Yeah. And in my case, it was my grandfather's long, you know, decades long problems with my mother exploding. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> because we're, but we're we're sitting here relying on just each other for that to not happen. You're supposed to rely on traditions. That's what fundamentally tradition right. is for: is right. to give you a and container no which to exist and and keep you yeah. together when otherwise, left to your own devices, you would fall apart. Right. Yes, and and the year that we truly the tiny whatever tiny sliver was left of a tradition you know, doing it on this date is gone. That's the year it really went to hell. And to come and, you know, going to this other family, this is before I was a Christian, was like, no, like, right, we're going to stand there and sing carols and we're going to do the thing. Um, And if a family knows how to do that, they're going to have a better Christmas. Yeah. For one thing, do the things, have the thing. But you know what the best, do you know what the best way to do it is? Do it as a church community do the things because we have them all yep. laid out. We do the things. This is how we celebrate. And then you say this, and then I say that, and then the priest goes there yep. and then we get in this line and then we do this and then we do that. And then we go and there's a bit more free form and we're all going to have a feast and just chat and drink. But then just watch, like watch what that happens, eat. right? Like I think we'll just pay, but it's so pay attention to how it builds out, right? Like first we're going to do this, you know, Christmas, what's going to happen Christmas? Well, we got to get these things together. And then the church service is going to be like this and this. And then after that, we're going to go home and we're going to do this. And mom and dad are coming over and we're going to sing and we're going to eat. Right. We're going to sing carols. And then we're going to do right. Like you start, you start building it around those fundamental, right. Those you, you put the core building blocks at the center and then you can see, and then you see how the whole edifice flowers out from there. Right. You, you rob it and the 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 thing, then it has an uncertain origin. It has an uncertain foundation. That's right. Yeah. And when we fe- we center it on Christ, I think this is this is sort of the, the key thing I was sort of trying to come around to is that the stakes then begin to get much yeah. lower, right? Like, I don't worry that much anymore about how things are going to go right. with like my in-laws or my dad or my mom or whatever. I mean, things will be fine with my dad. My mom was most likely too, but um, I don't like, I don't even really care. Like, because the whole thing is already there. That's all like extra. It's all icing on the cake. Like what I know for sure is my family and I are going to be at Vespers on Christmas Eve. And when Vespers is done and it's liturgical Christmas, we're going to 
well, in our case, we're going to drive over to my mom's house. So you're right. There's, there's liturgy there too. And we're going to shout Christ is born at each yeah. other and laugh. Right. So we're going to do that and we're going to do the prayers and then stuff's going to happen with family and they'll probably be fine, but it could go off the rails. And I don't know, like God knows someone could throw something and we run away. I don't know. <laughs> but even if it does happen, it, it won't. But if it does, we're going to get up on Christmas morning. Damn it. We're going to show yep. up. <laughs> we're going to pray some more. We're going to receive the Eucharist. And then we're going to go hang out with Mario's yep. family. And that too, that'll be, it'll probably be fine. But if it's not, okay. Yep. I mean, whatever. Yep. Like the point is the real feast has happened and the liturgies are there to ensure that it will. And we're not just relying on trying to get our families to get along, which is what so many people are dealing with. Like that sucks. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. Whereas when, when on St. Nicholas Day, when we were having the feast downstairs, nobody was worrying about what so-and-so was going to say or who was going to get drunk and who's like, I don't know. No. Man, it's... Because it's tough to kill that mood. Yeah. It's really tough to kill yeah. that mood. Because and like, and even if somebody does do something, like a bunch, someone else is going to jump in and yeah. intervene and grab that person and drag them off or whatever yeah. and everyone else do can be probably like, oh, try to do what's weird, best for them anyway we're all right yeah not, yeah not just be embarrassed but actually help your help your fellow man right because you you get in that mind like you get in that headspace of being like and it's again this is this is sort of i've been trying to get to is it's like i don't think there's another way to bring all these disparate humans with all our faults and all our foibles all our sins together and that's what our secular culture really wants to do. People try to force yeah. themselves and they spend the time with the family, but they don't have any mechanisms yeah. left to speak of that actually can make that yeah. work. That's literally what church is. Yeah. And we do things the way we do for a reason. We come and we, we all face in the same direction. And it's not free form. Bob doesn't get to, Uncle Bob doesn't get to say whatever the hell he wants in church. There's a that liturgy. Bob, Uncle Bob can sing or he can That's not That's an sing. orderly service. The priest doesn't get to say whatever right. he wants. I mean, there's maybe a sermon where he has a little bit of an opportunity, uh, but basically he sure. doesn't. He has to say what the book says. He, you have to do yeah. it like this. And that, like on these great feasts, when we're trying to connect and be a family and embody family, you need that because everything else, we're all sinners and that's me too. Mm -hmm. You can't count on me to make your Christmas oh, happy. That's right. If you're just counting on Laurel invite Dan over and so it'll be great. Like, I think I'm a pretty jovial. You come over Christmas, you'll make my Christmas great, Dan. <laughs> oh, that's true. Vice versa. <laughs> uh, but to, but right. as soon as we spread out beyond like our <laughs> bestest right. yeah. best friends, yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. Hmm, that's right. What's Dan doing here? <laughs> that's what the church has given us. <laughs> right. 
The church is like, yeah, we need a plan. The church is creating that mechanism to have that caroling night with my friend and make sure that that happens every single year. And the more you get divorced from that, the more the harder it is to keep it together. And it's, and it's, yeah, it's messed up. Yeah. It sucks out. It sure does. It's a tough life. I don't know. So what should we do? What should we do about Christmas, Greg? We've spent this whole episode talking about it. If fast, was it the main thing we should do? Fast, go to go to church. Remember all the listen to all the stories, sing through all the sing through all the hymns and all the stories. Gather together as a as a family, and then and build out from there. That's all there. The pat the pattern's get all some, there. Get some gifts. Get some gifts. Be generous. Yeah. Remember, remember those who are who have less. Give yeah. Give away your alms. Remember those who uh, have have less than you. Try to be a little bit of the light. The, the big thing that's stood out to me in this conversation is that that issue of aligning ourselves, which is just the same as what you're saying. You know, you're talking in a more granular way. We just got to align ourselves right this time yep. of year and maybe not feel too much pressure to make everything work the way it's supposed to or to do everything just right. Maybe not, maybe not worry too much about you know, like, is it, is it okay for my kid to see Santa? Is it not okay? Right. Like, oh, should I get him a Star Wars Lego or a Bible? Like, those are not totally unimportant mm-hmm. questions. Like, you do have to answer mm-hmm. those questions, I guess. But at the end of the day, those aren't. You can do either of those yeah. things. And it's not. The world isn't going to end. Yeah. <laughs> if you get that wrong. But you cut the flower from the from its source. And that's put the flower right, back on the regraft it this that's time right. of year. And yeah. this and there and it's all those practices, right? There's a reason that yeah. uh, that yeah. we as a church have maintained all these different facets of of the nativity rituals, which includes the fast. It includes Saint Nicholas Day. It includes, uh, you know, the the vigil and the feast. It includes, you know, eating together. And it includes. All these, all these come hymns. to theophany. Come to the, really. exactly, yeah. exactly, all the way to theophany. I don't know how secular people get through January without just killing themselves. Yeah. I, like I don't understand. So you got it. You have you have to keep the flower grafted to to its root. Yeah, and then and then you don't yeah. and, and and then that buy that buys you some space to not to not exactly sweat the small stuff because they because then the entire meaning of Christmas isn't the the weight of the entire meaning of Christmas isn't doesn't have to be borne by what you get your kids or how much you spend on them. Right. If that's all Christmas is, is the gifts is the, the present giving. Then it's like, well, I want this to be really meaningful. So I guess I have to spend a lot of money it's like, or whatever, right. or like, I want this to be really meaningful. So I have to get together with this, my, my family, then we don't get along or whatever. You put a lot of weight on things that can't bear it. So keep the flower yeah. grafted to its root. And all of all of what that means, it's not just going to church once. It's the whole, I mean, it's a six week lead up. All of those liturgies, all of and again, including St. Nicholas Day on the sixth, right? All of the little all the liturgies. And, and a multi week <laughs> follow up, right? Through yeah. right through most of January. I mean the Saints all through yeah. January are big including big the choir purpose. practices or the youth polishing brass yeah. or like whatever it is, all those little things to get ready putting up, you know, the youth putting up the Christmas tree and in the church and, and, 
uh, like whatever it is that you're those traditions, like it's all of those things, not just one day of going to church. The whole set. Build it all yep. in. Put yourself back yep. on the vine as Christ. And then is figure out about to be you know, then figure out how all the other aspects of getting together with family have you know what what how the liturgies radiate out from that and connect with it. Um, yeah. And it seems to sort of solve well at least it's our best yeah. bet. Because it was, as we said earlier, it isn't about cordoning ourselves off and saying, well, we're different and we don't do anything. The world no, it's does. orientation. We're different. We don't go to the office party. We're different. Right. We don't see our mom who isn't a, a Christian or an Orthodox Christian, you know, during this time of year. Like we just don't even talk like, and that uh, doesn't cut it. Got to live in the same, but as long as you're in the same spaces as all the cookie eaters. That's right. <laughs> but if you're attached to the vine, you may, I don't know, make certain kinds of mistakes, sure. but you will have yeah. life. You will sure. have life during the time of Christ's birth. And if you're not, you can do whatever. You can make any decision you want, and you're going to be slowly dying. Either way. I think that's right. Well, Greg, it's uh, technically too early, but by the time some of our listeners uh, are listening to this, it might not be anymore. So dare I risk <laughs> saying... Christ is born. Glorify him. Christ is born. Glorify Greg. him. Glorify him indeed. Have a very Merry Christmas, you my too. friend. See you come yeah. January. After the birth of the year. Good night. Yeah.